from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. Tim Davis, I'm an actor and a writer. Jen Reichert, I'm a writer. Carrie Flanagan, I'm an actor. And Kit Lavoy, I'm a director and a writer. Today we're going to be talking about actor type. What do we mean when we say actor type? Well, every actor has a certain slate of things that are true about them, that seem true about them, that are true about the way they look and they feel and they seem and about their personality, and we'll talk in more detail about those things in the conversation. But it really comes down to what sorts of roles are actors most likely to be cast in throughout their career. And that's when you say, what type, quote-unquote, is that actor? Uh, That's what you're talking about. There's a long history of character types from ancient Greece. There were 30 very distinct characters that that, that were written. There were stock characters in Rome from the braggart soldier to the clever slave, of course, Commedia dell'arte, all the way through in Shakespeare's company, The King's Men, there were very specific actors who played the very specific different types of roles. And then you also think about some of the more contemporary categorizations, uh, mostly from the earlier part of the, the 20th century, about the ingenue and the hero and the cad and that sort of thing. And by the time we got to the studio systems, they had it down relatively to a science. So it's actually become something that you say in, uh, in, in conversation with someone seems like they're right out of central casting, which was that they, they actually did have in the various studios where they'd call up and say, send me a dentist. And they would send somebody whose type was a dentist. Now, what we're talking about here is hopefully something that's a bit more nuanced than a dentist but is still important, uh, again, for actors to realize what are the things that they bring to the table automatically to a role when they walk into an audition and when they walk into a rehearsal room. One thing that we have talked about in the past, and especially, I think, in the audition episode we did last season, uh, is about the overvalue of versatility in actor training. That one of the things that I think many actors, and especially young actors, pride themselves on is the idea that they can play anything. And that may or may not be true, but the reality is is that very often you're not going to play anything, that there are things that you are, quote-unquote, right for and things that you are, quote-unquote, not right for. I think we would all agree that, type-wise, I would probably not be appropriate to play Blanche in Streetcar Named Desire. The question, though, and I think what we're going to be talking about today is to decide where does your type end. That obviously you can play more than one character. Obviously there are many characters that you are not appropriate for. And how do you determine where along that spectrum you pass out of your type? So to kick us off, I know when we were first talking about doing uh, this topic for the podcast this week, Kerry's initial reaction was that, okay, she would show up, but she doesn't know what she has to say because uh, because she's still struggling with it, <laughs> however many years into your acting career uh, you have. So, uh, you are. Uh, so, why don't you kick us off, Carrie? Why is it that you find it uh, still a struggle, and why do you think it's something that's worth struggling with? Oh, 
right. I, when this topic came up, I thought back about when my issues with struggling with type <coughs> began. And I remember, I actually distinctly remember, it was a bunch of things that happened in a couple days, and one was I went to an audition, two auditions in a day for, one was for a play and one was for a musical, one was for Les Mis, they were bringing me in for Fontaine. And I came in, sang, and she said, that's great, now can you, do you have something more legit in your book to sing, it's not for this, we're doing this other show set in Ireland. And I was like, okay. And then that happened again earlier that day where I auditioned for a play, same exact thing. They were like, we might bring you back in next week. We're doing this play set in Ireland. Two different casting agents, you know, whatever. Literally, I go home. I'm perplexed by this. I don't know why, because I'm a redhead with freckles. Carrie Flanagan is my name. It is. Irish is my heritage. But I just, it just really never occurred to me because I'm third generation American. And all the roles I played in, you know, when you're in school, you play all these varied roles. And type doesn't become an issue until you walk out into the world. That same week, I saw Gangs of New York, and I remember, <laughs> I had a whole argument with somebody about, why does it matter? Like, why can't they throw a wig on me? No one can imagine a redhead without red hair. It's crazy. I went to see Gangs of New York, and I was livid at the casting of Cameron Diaz in the role of the off-the-boat Irish girl. And that's when it all clicked for me, because I was like, this story, to me, was no longer being told. Because to, I couldn't get past the fact that she did not look like an Irish person. <laughs> it, it sounds like a silly thing, but it all kind of clicked for me that week. And that's when I realized how important type is. I still struggle with it and what my exact type is, but I do realize the importance of it in and, and the storytelling. Well, I think that's, I mean, something that you would have a narrow corner on is Irish girl. Yeah. You know, anytime they need an Irish girl, you can go in for it, but there's more to you than that. And so where... Where's the line? Yeah, or what where? is the bigger circle that contains Irish girl? That is your type. Well, that'd be surprised. Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. Is an interesting because I think a lot of times people think of type as being a limiting factor, right. and of course, there's a degree to which it is. But it also can be incredibly helpful mm-hmm. in forwarding your career in knowing what is the room I need to get in, where I'm going to be three steps ahead of you know ninety percent of the people who are walking in the door. Also, and certainly for you, casting things that are Irish. Um, you're going to have a better shot at getting that than anyone else in this room. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when you talk about actors wanting to be versatile, which, which I think is a, an, an appropriate endeavor for actors, the issue that you'll have in terms of being cast, in terms of forwarding your career if, of, of being versatile, is I guess that there are very certain act, very specific actors who could be considered versatile as almost a type. But for the most part, that versatility... It creates specifically when you're when you're initially meeting agents or casting directors, if they're not clear on what your type is, if they're not clear on how to use you, and most germane to you, if you're not clear on what your type is and how you can use yourself and what your strengths and weaknesses are as an actor, it creates this weird creative cognitive cognitive dissonance with with the, the casting directors and the agents, and they're not clear on how to use you. And they may wind up putting you in the versatile category. Um, and the versatile category usually just winds up being the category where they're, they're not sure what to do with you. And it's the category you kind of want to avoid. That's the type I think you actually want to avoid because it's a complimentary way of saying, I don't know what to do with this person. Even if they're talented, even if they seem nice, even if they seem professional, I don't know, I don't know if I'm an agent, I don't know what to send them out for, I don't know how to advocate for them. If they're and- a casting director, I don't know what projects I have that they're good for. 
And if you get put into that pool, which is they don't know what to do with you, you're sort of versatile mm-hmm. according to them, you'd have to be at the top of that pool to be used. And then they'd have to figure out anyway how to use you. Mm-hmm. So it is it is not desirable. And there's that thing about as versatile as you may be as an actor, if you walk into a room and say, I could play this part, just give me three weeks and I've got this thing down, and someone else walks in the room who is that thing without trying mm-hmm. and is starting from that thing and going deeper instead of spending their process getting to the baseline. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, we've mentioned him in the past, but a, a good friend of ours who we went to school with, Austin Basis, is, is somebody who's an incredibly specific type. I suspect, and I suspect there's no one listening to this podcast right now who has not seen him in something because the guy works like crazy mm. because he simultaneously is a wonderful actor but also is so specific. And if you're looking for someone like him, mm-hmm. he's it. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to find somebody who is a little quirky, is a little whatever, or can get to that place. He is that thing. And also, you know, can act the hell out of the thing that you cast him in on top Mm -hmm. of it. So what are the reasons, some other reasons, why it is important to know your type beyond having agents and casting directors know what to do with you? I think it's in addition to having other people know what to do with you, There are certain times when you can create opportunities for yourself and you want to create things that would be fruitful for yourself rather than working against yourself by making, you know, if, if you were to produce something so that people could come and see you, you want to pick something that would show you off best, not what shows your versatility, but what shows people how they can use you. I think also just in terms of, of storytelling, understanding, you know, how you can best serve a story, the stories, you know, whether it's a film or a TV show or a play, the the type of work you should be working on and how you should work on within that. One of my, my favorite interviews uh, ever is, is with George Clooney, who, who said at one point in the interview, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but he, he said, you know, look, I'm, I'm not Laurence Olivier. I'm not someone who's going to come in and transform themselves for every role. But I feel like I have a very good sense of story and how to surround myself with people who can help get that story told. And I think you see that in Clooney's work, that very rarely is he a transformative actor. He is not a Meryl Streep. He is not a chameleon. But... Uh, he, he has a very clear understanding of who he is, and you know he's obviously had a very successful career because of that. And not only is successful, but I will say I don't think I've ever seen him in anything that I didn't a really enjoy and b really enjoy him in. Right. I mean, he's got a he's got a great sense of what his product is, and 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 he puts it in places that are that really serve the the particular right. pieces he's doing. And and. What when we are talking about type, you know, I think your external, you know, being a redhead is is part of that. You know, I think, you know, whether you're you know an attractive person or unattractive person, you're you're overweight, you're, you're whatever your your specific you know, external physical attributes are, that's going to determine your type. But um, uh, Stanislavski also talked about you know casting the soul of the actor, and I think that plays a factor into it too. In that you know. The combination of those of sort of you know the soul of the actor, Stanislavski said, and your external uh, appearance, they they sort of merge to form, I, I guess, with the essence of that of you are as, as an actor. I think 
if you look at if you look at Jimmy Stewart or, or Tom Hanks, they're arguably and maybe inarguably the two most iconic everyman, every man's <laughs> in, in in film history. And I think that's that's partly because of how they look. They're you know they're they're not unattractive men, but they're not you know beautiful men. But also they're their defining essence as men is sort of these these flawed but 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 honorable men who who who, who strive for dignity for themselves and, and to afford it to others and there's within the context of, of American film those stories get told a lot and and I, I think that's why they're iconic I think they're incredibly talented as well as you're saying like our friend Austin like other people. I think that's, that's part of the issue with type is it's not merely, you know, you look like this and act like this and sound like this, you know, and that your talent is of, you know, of, of no, no bearing on, on, on your type. I think your, your talent actually is something that helps serve your type as yeah. well. I actually think that there are three axes of type that are worth considering, and really what you are as an actor is sort of where the three of them meet. And what you are as an actor product, which I think is, is going to be something that's worth talking about. That one is your physical type. What do you look like? You know, where do you look like you're from? What do you look like your background is? Are you, do you look strong? Do you look weak? Do you look like an athlete? Do you, I mean, there are all those sorts of things that figure in. Then the character type, which is the soul element that you, that you were talking about. And very often, you know, what makes a, char- what makes a, a characterization unique is the way in which the character type either is or is not dissonant with the physical type. Um, like a brave weakling. A, yeah, yeah, for a brave... Yes, exactly, exactly. And, and what do you bring there? But then there's also, um, I think, the, the talent type, if you will, which is, I think, part of it is knowing what you're good at. Uh, you know, are you... I mean, because there really is a gift of timing, which is a gift and a, also something you can hone, but it's more, you know, do you have uh, comic timing, for instance? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that you as an actor, and you're trying to figure out what your type is, you need to know, is it worthwhile for you to go in for this show that requires you to have good comic timing? Do you have, you know, kind of really, are your chops primarily dramatic? You know, but I, I think that those, to me, and actually, am I missing anything, but those, to me, kind of seem like the three main axes uh, on which the type of actor that you are qualify. And again, if we're talking about the primary role of type, but I think there are more, and we'll talk about them, is about figuring out how to get yourself in the right place to A, get work, and B, excel in that work that you get. It's. I, I think it's not just about... I mean, it is primarily about knowing what you're good at and knowing your type, but also knowing um, the specific thing that you're good at in relation to what's, I don't know, I, want, I don't want to say what's hot, but what, what, what the climate of the market is. And a story I have is from grad school when a teacher of mine, I had done a lot of dramatic work in grad school, and a couple or one or two comedic scenes, and uh, the teacher pulled me aside and he told me that he said, you're funny, and I was, said, thank you. And he said, uh, do that. Um, that's what's going to make you stand out because, in his opinion, women are <laughs> funny, <laughs> which is sort of true. But, um, yeah, so he said, uh, that's going to be your strength. He said, you're good at the other thing, too, but just know what's out there and what is going to be the thing that you're good at, the specific thing that you're good at that's going to make you stand out. 
Well, what's that? It's that idea in marketing. What's the unique selling position? Is that um, mm-hmm. I know we've had in, in uh, other contexts with the company you know, marketing discussions, but um, you know, I think unique selling position one of those things. I think that that is what that really strikes on is a being able to figure out what you're about as an actor, so that b you can figure out how to you know where that's going to be useful how you want to be pitching yourself, where you want to be pitching yourself to. I think there are several things that are that make defining your type and identifying your type difficult for actors. And and one of them is is what I call the anxiety of influence, which is that initially when when most actors start acting, they're at least initially there there are models for whom they, they, that inspire them, they appreciate the stories they tell, they like that type of acting. And they sort of identify with that type of acting, and that those specific actors may not may serve as good models for their type, but also may serve as terrible models for their type. Um, and I think being able to differentiate between them, I think, is important. Uh, what's also important for actors to be able to do is to take an objective look at their own essence um, internally and externally and have an understanding of, of how to use that. And that can sometimes be uncomfortable if some of your attributes that may get you work as a professional are things that you're not comfortable with as a person. And I, I can only encourage actors when, when they're ident- identifying their type that if, if they have something unique about their physicality or about their personality to, to, to either fix it or to use it. You know, if, if you're overweight, let's say, that is a specific type, uh, and, and, and you should identify whether that is something that actually serves your type or not. And, and those are tough balances of, of your life versus your career, and, and, and those are choices actors need to make. But you know, one of my favorite stories uh, in an interview is Christopher Walken was talking about how he really wanted to do romantic comedies, but that he understood that he looked a little strange on film. And what that translated to on film was that he was going to be the bad guy. He was going to play villains or crazy people. And I think that was that, that's really terrific because from every interview I've ever read from Christopher Walken, he seems like a, a very nice, you know, almost shy person. And if you'd see him on Saturday Night Live, he seems absolutely like an adorable guy you'd want to hang out with. But he has a keen understanding that on film, you know, you let him do what he does best with his unique persona and his unique presence. You put a gun in his hand and... And he's a very uh, engaging villain that you can use in a lot of different things. And I, that's something that I think actors need to be able to do. Is you know I don't know if Mr. Walken is, is comfortable with how he looks or not, but I think he's very aware that on film I look a little strange, and he understands how he can use that to to further his career. I remember seeing a, a, a production of Richard the Third a number of years ago, and I realized when the play was almost over, that the actor playing Richard had, his hand was severely deformed. And he spent the whole thing with his hand tucked in his cloak, which on one hand seems like an interesting character choice, and with somebody with a physical disability, much like Richard did, maybe he understood that that's how he would behave, and yet it seems to me, if you've got that going for you and you're playing Richard III, mm-hmm. I'd use it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it is something that you're uncomfortable putting out there. But I mean, I think that that's sort of a kind of prime example of what you're talking yeah. about. Before we move on too deeply to figuring out how to identify your type, 
Does anyone have thoughts about the importance of type in theater versus television versus film versus commercials? Because I actually feel like type plays a different role in each of those venues. Yeah, I think I think your type your type may stay, you know, pretty consistent, but how that is utilized in each medium, I think, is it's important to understand the the, the difference in how your strengths and weaknesses would, would play in each in each medium. There are certain types, obviously, for television. You know, it, it seems television has more archetypal types than, than, than say, film. And I think it, it's important to understand how you would fit into the schematic of uh, each medium and each genre in each medium and understanding you know, whether you are, you know, your strengths are best served on, say, a sitcom versus, say, an hour-long drama. And I also think that there's, in both theater and film, there is much more of an opportunity to sort of play a very different version of your type because it is a very finite period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that you're creating a character that exists for a finite period of time. It's actually kind of, kind of ironic because if you then look at television, it's a much more long-form version where your type is actually really important because in a different way because you're going to have to play that same character week after week after week after week after week for however many years the, the, the show is on. But at the same time, commercials have this almost a very similar importance for type for exactly the opposite reason, which is the camera is going to cut to you for two seconds and you're the businessman shopping after work with his son. And you need to be able to carry businessman shopping after work with his son without any lines, and with one cut of you doing something. And, 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 and I think that that's, especially if you want to get commercial work, which is really the way many, many actors pay their bills. I mean, I think it is, is, is important work to be able to get. That's a place where really having a very sharp uh, understanding of what you exude, primarily in that physical element. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and to know, I mean... You know, we certainly we have a, a, another friend who's been cast in a million commercials as a young mother. Right. She's always every time she's putting you turn on TV, you keep seeing her putting kids in a in a minivan or, or carrying groceries or something like that. She doesn't have kids, mm-hmm. but that's how she reads, and she knows again that it's not about what your type is not about what you're like in your life, but what you're like when people look at you from a distance. And she seems like a young mother. And that's where she gets her work, and those are the auditions she makes sure to bang the door down to get mm-hmm. into, because those are the roles she's going to get. I I went the other night to see Tracy Morgan uh, do stand-up at, at uh, Carnegie Hall, and at one point, uh, and he's obviously a, a, one of the lead characters on 30 Rock, and he made a joke that all of his characters that he plays on television are called Tracy. And he, he, he had sort of a, a cute reason for why why all of his characters were named Tracy. But what was clear to me after watching his stand-up and after seeing him on the show that he, <laughs> Tracy Morgan is a very specific type and Tracy Morgan is able to do one thing very, very well. And I think if, if, if you're going to use Tracy Morgan, you know what you're getting when you get Tracy Morgan. You're not going to get anything else. And I just thought it was interesting that, you know, his argument for why he, his character is named Tracy was that you know, he didn't want to go through the rest of his life with other people, you know, calling him character names, which I thought was odd. <laughs> but I think primarily, you know, what it, what it brought up for me is the idea that he is a very specific type. And he might as well just come on and be Tracy because that he's going to give you just 
that, this sort of wildly undisciplined, you know, random, very, very funny persona. And there's really, for him anyway, there's, there's I don't think there's a little gain in attempting to be a transformative actor. <laughs> I thought you were going to say in attempting to be a transformer. And I, I, thought, and I thought, I bet they've got a storyline about that. <laughs> um, I, I think it, it's also worth saying before we talk about how to figure out your type, Another place where it can be very important, too, beyond figuring out the specific role that you should go in for and things like that, is to figure out, to know your type so you know what communities you will be especially welcome in. Mm-hmm. And those are, are a number of different things. That, For instance, an agent's agent tends to not want multiple versions of a single type because they want to have one person that they can advocate for um, or a small number of people they can advocate for for a specific kind of type and not be sending their people out against each other. Which is actually one of the reasons why it's, it's, tend, it's, it's an etiquette thing, but it's, it's often very nice if you have a close uh, friend or colleague who you, you're looking for an agent, they have an agent to say, can you please introduce me to your agent? Often they will, but you don't do that to someone who's a very similar type to you. <laughs> that's rude. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it just isn't done. And I mean, I think it's something that's, that's worth knowing. But also... You know, it's it's if there are theater companies and things like that that you want to get involved in, or if you're just even looking to get involved in a theater company, look for ones that don't have you. I mean, I think for for it is I, I've always found it a little bit interesting that I think the thing that our company, the thing that ties us together generally, is that we have a very similar way of working, and that's what has attracted people over the past ten years to come and work with us. But at the same time, I think when you look at our stable of actors they really are very different types from each other. And, and I think that has to do with um, two things, which is, one, there are times where I'll go see Tim in a show and see another actor who, who's really terrific in it, and I'll say, Tim, is she, is she cool? Do you like working with Because we could use one of her. You know, we, we don't have one of those in our community. And, and, and we could use somebody who can play the kind of roles that that actor can play. And likewise, there have absolutely been times where I've seen somebody who I thought was terrific, but thought, you know what? She's, she's, she's just like Jen Kerfman. I, it's not fair <laughs> to bring somebody new into the community who's going to be competing with her for roles mm-hmm. when we've already got somebody you know, who's, who's, who's a part of, of, of our acting company who, who would be in, up for that role. Do you know what's interesting, too, is uh, paying attention to, the, it's similar to this, but a little different, paying attention to who you've been compared to, and and if they are at a higher level of their career, you can actually use that. I, I've several times been compared to Carrie O'Malley, who's a redhead uh, musical theater actress. She works a lot, and all of a sudden it occurred to me, I was like, why don't I really pay attention to the shows that cast her? Yeah. and the casting agents that cast her, because clearly they like her type, they like her, and now she's just at a level where she's working a lot. So it's not like we're going to be competing anyway. So, <laughs> like, but I have, honest to God, I don't know if I'm fooling myself or whatever, but noticed a difference when I'm in the room with those casting agents. No, I think I think that's absolutely essential to do. One of the one of the questions I think in terms of helping to determine your type and and going through this whole process, one of the questions that I think is is most important to ask is who is getting your roles. In other words, when you look at film, when you look at television, when you look at theater. Where is your type being utilized, and who are the actors at whatever level? Who are the actors who are getting cast in those particular roles, and why? Because I, I think you can you can learn a lot from that. There's several actors whose you know whose career I I kind of track 
from a distance, I sort of, you know, I always sort of check out IMDB.com or, or the trades and sort of see what they're being considered for, what they're developing, what comes out. And again, so, so I can just sort of draw information on why they're being utilized and how that may or may not change over, over time and how I can use that information to help forward, you know, my own career and have a better understanding of where I fit in in the marketplace. And you actually can. I, I know of a few examples where people have been so similar to a particular actor that they have written to that actor's agent. And this is a little bit the opposite of what I was saying before about you don't have uh, the same types. But I've said, I am so much like this actor. If you're ever casting something where they need a younger brother, mm-hmm. yeah. keep me in mind. And, you know, and it, it, you know, it's not a sure thing, but I know of a couple of people who've gotten things like that. Yeah. You know. It's it, yeah, it's good to know. I think we're actually now moving pretty pretty directly into how do you know what your type is, and I think that's one of them is, is getting a sense of who you're compared to, mm-hmm. and seeing what kind of work they're getting. Yeah. How how else do you go about doing about figuring out what your type is? Well, if you get cast as the same thing over and over and over again, <laughs> that might be a clue, clue number one. If you are always cast as the cop, or you know the young mother, or you know things like that, That that's one part of what your type is. What is it about you that says to people that you are, you know, good at security or strong or watching over people or, you know, all, all those kinds of things? And I, and I think it's a relatively safe assumption, at least to do for an exercise, that you are always cast in the same role to a degree, not just to look to see if you are. But not when you're looking at your resume. If you take a look at your resume, not if you're looking at your resume and you've just graduated from college or it's a small pool and you're going to get cast in a lot of different things because it's a small pool. But if you've been out working for a little while, take a look back at the things that you've been cast in and try to figure out what are the common themes. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the things that people are seeing in me that make, them, that make all of these people think that I would be right in these different roles? Yeah, the common denominator. This is an exercise I've done that that I would recommend. It's it's sort of a proactive way of of identifying that, which is find five people in your life from various aspects of your life and ask each of them to write down five of the most apparent attributes about you and then gather all all, all of those responses and look for consistency there. I recommend not asking your parents. That, that, that may be that may be depending on your relationship with your parents. That that, that may be a, a good choice, but you know, generally your parents are just going to tell you how great you are and how smart you are. Now, but yeah, yeah, how you know how talented you are. But if you go to five people who are or from disparate portions of your life and ask them to do this exercise, I it becomes really really interesting in terms of of identifying what your type is because. When I did this exercise you know, several years ago, it, it really helped helped me because I had such a different understanding of who I thought I was, of what type of roles I should be cast in, of how I was perceived versus how the rest of the world perceives me. And that was incredibly useful in helping me sort of adjust absolutely everything about, uh, for lack of a better word, my presentation. It changed my headshot selection. It changed my audition monologue selection. It slightly changed 
just sort of my general demeanor when I when I went on auditions or went meeting people, and it became. It's funny, you know, we, we talk about this—the presentation and the product—as if these are false things. But I would argue that once I had a better understanding of that, I was able to sort of settle more comfortably and more naturally into who I really was, mm-hmm. which then allowed people in the industry to have a much better understanding of who I was because it was clear there wasn't any I guess for lack of a better word there wasn't any false static mm-hmm. of my attempt to be something to, just to piggyback on that a friend of mine I, I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day and she said I thought it was an interesting way to go about it she said ask people a couple of your friends or, or she said pay it sorry she said pay attention to patterns of when people reach out to you she said, because then you're going to see what it is about you that resonates in other people. When do they need you? When are they attracted to come to you? And I thought back in my life, and I'm like, pretty much across the board when something bad is happening. <laughs> like, a lot, a lot of people will call me when somebody dies. A lot of people will call me when something bad is happening with them. Cause I th- and that's when it clicked with me that I think what resonates like with a lot of my f- people in my life with me is I seem comfortable with struggle or comfortable around Mm-hmm. Struggle, and then I look back at all the roles I've been cast in, and almost ev- across the board, that these their characters suffering a major kind of life change or major emotional struggle, and kind of it, st- it started to kind of align. Then it was an interesting way to go about, it, though, to pay attention to when people reach out to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is just interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things that that ultimately to figure out your type requires that you be really objective which is incredibly hard to do for yourself and actually can be very hard to do with people you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that there's a a real degree to which if you really want to figure out what your type is, you need to do your due diligence. You need to do research. You need to go out. You need to ask people. You need to do it in a way that is going to make it safe for them to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to ask a wide variety of people. I mean, I think go to a mall. And pull strangers aside, or better yet, bring a friend to pull strangers aside so that people aren't affected by the way that you are pulled aside, that they're pulled <laughs> aside, and say, look at my friend here. Tell me, how old do you think he is? Which is actually really That's important. How old do you appear to people? What do you think they do for a living? What kind of hobbies do you think they have? Do you think they're married? Do you think they're divorced? Do you think they have kids? All of those things, which again, we're talking about the three different types of type. You know, that sort of what are the physical attributes? What are the things when someone is looking at you that they walk away with? People who don't know you. And I think, you know, that that there's so much that you can do. What is their ethnicity? is actually a really important question. Because, I mean, certainly, you know, we know people, you know somebody who's of Indian descent, but has gotten cast as a Middle Eastern uh, character very often. You know, but, you know but, but that's a good thing to know. What, what, are, what roles should you be going into? Because he shouldn't think, oh, I should only go in for roles that's looking for someone of Indian descent. If he sees something that's looking for someone who's Middle Eastern, well, he should go for those too, since people perceive him that way. Mm-hmm. Because again, what your type is about is what you are perceived as, not what you actually are. And then, you know, also ask people who know you in your life, as Tim said, what are your, um, you know, what, what, what are attributes that you see come across with me? Also, I think, Ask some of your really closest colleagues, your most trusted colleagues, and ask them to be really honest with you. Because 
there are people that I know who are very close friends, very close colleagues, who who I who I have always thought just mis mismarket themselves. But I but I'm not going to tell them I think so. I've nudged them, but I wouldn't tell them I think so unless they ask because I know that's a really important thing. But and I think it's okay to go to people who are really close colleagues of yours and say what am I doing that's right or wrong about the way that I'm marking myself and be honest because mm-hmm. it's it sometimes it's a hard thing to be honest about that thing where you say I know you think you're really funny but that's not <laughs> well no and, and you're funny but that's not what you that's not what you should be marketing yourself as because mm-hmm. you are funny but there are other things you're better at mm-hmm. um, you know and it, it's it's important to know that sort of thing and also I think a really useful thing to do is go to directors who have cast you and ask them, what did you see in me that made you cast made you cast me in this role? Because those, again, that's really the market you're looking for. That's really the market is what is it that a director is looking for that makes them put you in a role? And those are people who, if they've done it before, are people who can give you some real insight. Mm-hmm. Something that Tim said about asking people from different parts of your life and seeing what the commonalities are, that's really interesting because... You do sort of present different faces in the dis- different aspects of your life, and it's kind of like acting. But what the thing is that's common to all of those, that's your type, not the presentation you make of yourself, but the, the thing that every part of your life sees in you, every, every type of person in your life sees in you, those are, those are elements that make up your type. Well, it's interesting, too, in going back to, to asking people around you, I I think it's important to ask people both from the theater side and from film side, especially like with physical things like how old you look like. Because I, I mean, I feel like people, especially in the, the age of like HD and stuff, like on film, I know I can't pass for like a 16 year old, but on stage, I feel like I definitely could because people are a hundred feet away or whatever. And with makeup and stuff like that, but you know, on television or film, uh, people are right in your face, and, and you notice when someone, you know, is, you know, 28 and playing a high schooler on TV, and it rings false. A little more than a year ago, I was looking for a new agent, and it, it, it's so funny, we were talking about, does that agency or does that theater company have your type? One of the agents I went to, that was one of the questions I asked them, I said, you know, do you have, you know, m- many people on your client roster who are similar to my type? And I, I don't know what was going on with this agent, but his, his response was, that's none of your business. And I, I just sort of went, well... That would seem to me to be your business. Yeah, was, I, 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 yeah, I didn't really get into it with him. I just sort of moved on. But I made the mental note with, well, that, I, I would actually think that's both of our businesses. Um, but so then I met with a, a, another agent and, and uh, you know, I was meeting with him and, and we talked for a little bit. And then he, he had me do a couple of monologues and he just sort of looked at me. And he paid me a compliment about my acting, but then he sort of tilted his head and looked at me and he said, and you're a guy. You're like a real guy. And I got what he meant when he said that, actually, and there was a connection between us of un- that I think we both had a very clear understanding of things that I should go out for, how he could advocate for me, things that I would write for. There wasn't going to be uh, any sort of uh, dissonance between us about roles that would be right for me. And that made me very comfortable signing with him. And that also, I, I think that made him comfortable in signing me because he knew exactly, I know exactly where to put this guy. You know, and I, I think it's, it's useful to have you know, a clear understanding 
of how you'll be utilized, whether you're a guy or whatever your, your, your defining attributes are. It makes it... One of the things we've talked about in previous podcasts, I think, is how you can help make everyone else's job easier. Mm-hmm. And I think if casting directors, agents, whoever it is, have a very clear understanding of how you can be utilized, that makes their job so much easier in advocating for you. Once you've figured out, done your research about what type, how do people view me, looking at your own work, talking to people, thinking it through, how do you go about, and to what extent do you go about for yourself, articulating your type? I think it's very useful to be able to to articulate your type briefly. A couple of words would be great if you can find sort of a title for it, just to give people the shorthand. They'll go there, and then they'll fill out the details. It's a hard thing to do, and you ha- it'll take some work to art- really articulate it. But if you can, you know, that two, three-word description, even like one phrase or sentence is better than like, well, I'm kind of like this person and, you know, sort of get roles like this. And, you know, it's better just to say, you know, I'm the, the, the good lieutenant or, you know, something like that where they can kind of like pinpoint right where you go. I have an example of that. I, I met with an agent and they were asking me about my type. And I actually don't know if this is true about myself, but I think it is. But I said I was the underdog that people root for. And, like, there was something maybe people hadn't heard that before, or there was something in that that this agent totally responded to. It was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But it felt like they hadn't heard it before. It was. Do you think it helps more for um, when somebody's asking you what your type is to say, you know, I am the, I'm the warden, I'm the cop, I'm the this, I'm the that, or to actually know what working actors that you've been compared to? Like, I'm the so-and-so type, I'm the so-and-so type. I think it's, it's, it's very helpful to be able to actually do both, to be able to articulate them in both ways. Mm-hmm. And in part because people yeah. will ask for them in specific ways. There will be times where people say, what kind of actors are you like? But I think to be able to say, yeah, you know, Jenny, I am the underdog you root for. I think I'm uh, like the Zoe Deschanel type of people. You know, okay, mm-hmm. you, those are two very short statements that kind of give two, you know, two, two pictures. I think it's, piggybacking off that, I think it's also important to give an example of, like, Zoe Deschanel in Elf. Because sometimes people do play different, and and if you're, like, because I know for myself, I'm not Zoe Deschanel in, oh, that movie that just came out. 500 Days of Summer. 500 Days of Summer. I'm much more like she is in Elf. And it's good to, because people will ask you that, too. Or if it's someone that has a wide array of work to, to be able to pinpoint specifically. For yourself, what character? I think in addition to having that sort of elevator pitch version, which I I think is very important, it also is helpful to have a much more comprehensive matrix for yourself of the kinds of things that figure into your type in terms of, uh, you know, kind of from the sort of questionnaire that we were talking about earlier about what ethnicities do you read as? What occupations do you seem to, you know, that sort of thing. So you can have a quick reference page for yourself, or at least a mental quick reference page, to know when you're scanning the trades, when you're looking at, 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 at uh, you know, uh, auditions that are out there, you know, what different kinds of projects you ought to be getting yourself submitted for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and not because they're looking for the underdog uh, who you root for. Absolutely, that is something that is sometimes going to be 
there for a specific character, but oftentimes they're going to have, we're looking for this thing, we're casting this role in something that's about working class Irish people. Well, okay, I'm not right for that role, but you know what, I should send my stuff in because they might be looking for other, other roles that I'm right for. So once you have identified for yourself and articulated for yourself what your type is, what do you do about it? Well, I think I briefly touched on it earlier in that all of the things that an actor needs to do in terms of what we refer to as marketing yourself, I think need to be put forth in that context with that understanding. I think if you start selecting your audition monologues or your songs with that context in mind, uh, headshot selection, what you wear to you know to auditions, to meetings, things like that, all those can help clarify your type and, and really crystallize it for, for other people. I know particularly when I was younger, and, you, and we've talked about this, I think the reason this topic is so important is because particularly younger actors when they're, when they're starting out don't have a good understanding of this and, and mismarket themselves, as, as you said. Particularly when I was younger where I had very specific ideas of who I thought I w- would be, of who I was interested in being, and I allowed that to shape my, my, my choices for audition monologues and my choices for headshots. And it created this huge cognitive dissonance where I think people, I don't think people had, you know, any specific contention with me. I think, you know, hopefully most people thought I was at least somewhat talented. I think most people thought I was at least somewhat of a, you know, a decent person to work with or an affable person. But there wasn't that, that clarity and that crystallization that when, when, people are are looking to cast something or looking for something to represent and there are thousands of thousands of actors out there if you throw up any sort of fuzzy static and they're not clear on how to use you you, you're going to put yourself at a disadvantage whereas if you're able to line up all of those elements your audition monologues your headshot your you know how you dress how you you uh, conduct yourself if all those things are so clear and just laser focused it, it really gives you an advantage in terms of getting work. And I think beyond simply, and obviously it is very important to effectively selling your product, mm-hmm. it also can be incredibly important for honing and improving your product. That I think there still can be uh, this sense that there are two different things. There's one, how good you are as an actor, and two, how you sell yourself as an actor. But I think there's much more of a connection about that, that certainly you want to be going to class, you always want to be working on your craft, even and especially when you're not working. But I think once you get a clear sense of what your type is, you can focus that work on becoming the most interesting and versatile version of that thing that you are, where you can focus the work that you spend, you focus your time in scene study classes that you're taking, uh, in, in the way that you spend your time, that is going to help enhance that thing that you have to sell, that thing that you're going to be going out and doing. And I think that there's that idea, certainly, of it's not also just about becoming, quote-unquote, a better actor, but there is real research that you can be doing in your life. I mean, they talked about Brando when he was a young actor. He'd spend hours and hours and hours sitting on the subway just watching people and, and watching behavior. And I think that that's the idea, that if you know your type is... You know, that you read as a young mother and you don't have kids. Well, you know what? Go spend some time with kids. 
Go, you know, read books on parenting. If you know that you read as an ethnic type that you are not necessarily, or you read as an ethnic type that you are, but you don't have a particular connection to, do some reading about that. Go hang out in a neighborhood where uh, people of that background live. You look Irish, but you're from uh, Connecticut. Make sure that your Irish accent is, you know, is, is solid. You know, if, if you look like an athlete and you aren't one, you know, well, you know, go, go to the batting cages and at least figure out how to swing a bat and, 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 lo- and look like you know what you're doing. I mean, there are things that you can actually be doing out there to make yourself a better version of that product that you are. Um, and I think that that's a really important part of being a working actor. A lot, a lot of those things that you mentioned is like kind of expanding the special skills section mm-hmm. of your resume. Like if you read like a cowboy but don't know how to ride horses, they're not going to cast you. Like, I mean, they may, but if you, there's no actual horse riding in the film about cowboys, but it would it would be better for you to be to be the best version of a cowboy type. Well, I mean, that's what they say. If in an audition someone asks you if you can do something, and that. <laughs> the thing is shooting more than a week away, you always say yes. <laughs> With the <laughs> idea, can you can spend a week figuring it out. Right. You know, can you roller skate? Yes, <laughs> I can roller skate. You know, but there is that thing. Yes, exactly. If, if there is a skill that you can imagine your type is going to be asked to do, you know, go and... Like if you read like an, if you read like an action hero, like learn some, you know, driving skills or, you know, take, you, some, take some fighting classes, whatever, uh, you know, whatever... You might read be useful. Luke Call, you read like a like an auto mechanic, and you don't know anything about cars. You know what? Mm-hmm. Figure out how to look. Figure out enough about what's under a hood of a car to be able to poke under it in a in a in a, in a movie and actually not look like you know what you're doing. Or if you look like a doctor, practice medical language. Yeah, yeah. You look like a lawyer. You got an afternoon. Go down to the courthouse and watch lawyers. Watch them. You know, in case watch them in a the hall. I have a good one. Go ahead. Then. Well, there, there. A lot of times, people lately have been looking for bartenders, like a bartender, and you know, in the background or whatever, or who has a couple of lines in the scene. Learn how to mix a drink or what goes in a drink, because otherwise, you're just going to be behind the. We're <laughs> <laughs> not even like. I mean, most specifically, that would be the dead giveaways. Learn how to hold the bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. could pull whatever the hell you want that yeah. drink, but learn how to hold the bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also think, again, beyond improving your product, beyond getting your uh, getting work there can be ways especially as we were talking about the character type the soul of the actor that that you were talking about Tim that you also can use your type if you really understand what you're about and what you respond to as an actor as an endpoint to a character I mean you mentioned it Jen and I, I think it's because it's one we, we actually have done in the past typing workshops within our community where we you know we, you know, do a lot of these things to, to help actors in Cry Havoc sort of to, to figure these things out. And one of them, the, you know, sort of tagline that we came up for one of the person was the good lieutenant. And, you know, the person who is, uh, you know, not the person in charge, but who looks out for the best interest of the person in charge. And if you look, there are a lot of great roles that fall into that category. Uh, a lot of great roles that fall into that category, but also that there's part of it about the person who we frame that around. There was a reason that that was 
that 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 was their their type, and it had to do with sort of how they responded to material and things like that, and just to know for themselves, stepping into any role that they're given, to know that that can very often be their entry point into that character. What is the way in which that character fits my quote unquote soul type? You know, um, you know, can can be a really useful way, and especially if you're doing something where you have a limited amount of time to work on something. But even if you don't have a limited amount of time, it's, it's, it's again, I mean, it is something we've talked about very often in the past on the podcast about finding the foothold, finding the one thing that you understand about the character very clearly and building from there. And if you know there is something that you tend to connect to about characters, period, that makes up your type, very often a good place to start. So once you've identified your type for yourself and you're working with it, how often do we think you want to revisit that type? I mean, obviously, if you take a look at someone even like Tom Hanks, who Tim mentioned was, you know, really a fairly archetypical type, archetypal type, that he plays very different uh, kinds of roles now, obviously, that he's in his 50s, as he did when he was doing, you know, Splash when he was in his 20s. How often and in what ways do you think you want to reanalyze what your type is? I think, you know, probably every few years, maybe, you know, every time you get new headshots would be a good time to think about it. You know, you're, if you have physically changed, that's part of it. You know, that's part of your type that's changed. And every three, four years, that might be true. And also life changes happen in that time. You know, you know, tragedy could strike or good fortune and you might behave or approach things differently. You might have a new outlook, and, and that's a, that, that could change your type. I try to revisit it, from my own personal experience, I try to revisit it every year, because I'd rather be ahead <laughs> of it and, and discover that my you know that I, I still have the same essence, my, my type and product and, and soul are, are still you know relatively the same compared to, to last year than to wait. You know, uh, half a decade to to find out that for the past two years I've, you know, have have drifted into another, uh, an, another realm and should have should have addressed that. So it's something I try to address every year, even if the conclusions I come to are that I'm still the same basic type. It is also something that can be very useful, but also very complicated when you're talking about your type evolving to take a look at the time of your life that you're going to be at the heart of your type. That there are people who certainly, we know that, that you get the sense that, you know, you're in your late 20s, but you really are built to play the roles you're going to play in your 40s. And there were the question of, can you stick around that long? We actually know one actor who was told that often. It was true, he was in his early 30s. Then he went and did something else for 10 years and came back. And, you know, and, and, and that's true. There are also, and it's heartbreaking and candidly, it happens more often with women than with men, but there are times where you can look at your type and realize the clock is ticking on this. You know, I really need, if I'm going to break into a career, I'm at the heart of my type right now, and I have about three or four years to make it go. And, you know, there really is, you know, some sense to which, you know, you kind of have to figure out the tempo that you need your career to happen at based on what your type is and when you're going to be in the heart of it. And sometimes you have to ask yourself that hard question of, 
am I going to be able to uh, to do that, either to wait around that long or to make it happen as quickly as I need to? That was one of the hardest things for me to accept was when I first started acting. I first started acting in my very early 20s, and I was told by a multitude of people who, who knew their stuff that I would really, that my prime for, for acting would really be in my would not begin until like my mid to late 30s and when you're 22 you don't want to hear that you want to hear that you're you know you just want to hear you're brilliant you're going to start booking work immediately and that was that was a rough thing to hear and I I never really accepted that which I think maybe one of the reasons I had issues with you know with identifying my type and and identifying where I best fit is that I didn't have an understanding of how my type may grow may evolve and now that I'm in my mid-30s and, and will soon be in my, my late 30s, I have a better understanding of that, I think, for just being in the business that long. Selfishly, also, now that this is apparently the time that most people have said that I would be booking more work, I'm, I'm sort of looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good place to wrap up. So, for all of us, thank you very much for uh, joining us. If you have not subscribed, please go to iTunes and do so. If you like what you're hearing and would like other people to hear it, please let them know the podcast is out there. And also go to iTunes and write us a review. If you'd like to know more about the Cry Havoc Company, go to www.cryhavoccompany.org. So for myself, Kit, and uh, Jenny, and Tim, and Jen, and Kerry, and all of us at the Cry Havoc Company, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.